Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. So, assuming you're assuming we're live or not live, but that red little blinking light's going. It's going. Okay, okay. So, something that's on my mind. And I think this is good timing for it because it's going to segue into the pigeon hunting deep dive in relation to the evolution of pigeon hunting. Uh, starts with, I suppose, exposing children to hunting maybe for the first time. Like, and if you want to expose a child to hunting for the first time, it starts with teaching them how to shoot. Correct. Can we yeah. can can we can we cover that today, or did you have something else? Uh, yeah, we can do that. That's what's that's what's been rattling around your brain. No, I didn't really have anything specific. Okay, okay. Um, I'm glad because I feel like I need to pop this sit. Like it's there. <laughs> it's big and ugly. I need it out right now. I'm well, not gonna feel better until I get this out of my system. You know. Let's lay on the uh, proverbial couch and. Uh, release uh and release let phil release it yes. yeah tell yeah, me just, about just, just tell just... me about your mother <laughs> <laughs> who is the who are these pigeons in your life okay so uh teaching kids how to shoot you start from the very bottom like if you're gonna take kid hunting for the first time their first time or first couple of times out 
they need to have fun. They need to have a first good impression. They have to have a good first experience. And if they're out there just getting a bruise on their cheek because they don't have a good cheek weld, if they're getting a bruised shoulder because they're not holding the gun tight to their shoulder, if, if they're missing everything because you didn't start out with eye dominance, you don't know why they're missing because guess what? They're right-handed, they're left eye dominant. So no, they're not gonna hit anything. So we start from the very bottom and we establish eye dominance. And there are several easy ways to do this. Um, just And I would recommend that everybody do this. Like, I don't care how long you've adults. been hunting. Like, yeah, <clears throat> just take a moment and make sure you're not making it harder on yourself than you are. We've, we've done this in the field and it, it's crazy. Somebody's like, holy crap, I'm not shooting with the right eye or whatever. You know, there's like, it's yes. pretty neat, and I was like, "Oh, thank God, I'm using the right eye because I, <laughs> I don't want to change the way I shoot." But so my good friends Patrick and Jenna, like long lifetime friends of mine, um, you know, husband and wife, I moved back from Minnesota, and I just started offering like shooting clinics to friends and family. And Jenna's like, "Dude, I'm there. Let's set up a time because uh, Jenna, bless her soul, she loves to hunt." You know, she, she just loves it, but she really struggles to hit anything. And like we were hunting, we were all hunting together one time. And one of my favorite things to do is like, if we have a pair or a single come in, instead of saying, kill them. And it's just a community flock. I'll say someone's name, that person shoots first. If that person misses, then we kill it. And we had a, we had like a pair come in or something. I was like, Jenna, kill them. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. she just started she kind of lost her mind or hesitated so we killed it and she's like i hate it i hate being put on the spot don't do that i'm like okay sorry about that you know well so she hired she didn't hire me it was just a friend family thing um we did the shooting clinic and we established immediately that she's right-handed and left eye dominant i was like oh my god do you understand the importance of what we just learned about you like holy crap like no one knew that she's been hunting i don't know 10 years and she's been right-handed trying to trying to line up her left eye down the shotgun barrel you know it's like so anyways that's so crazy yeah so getting kids you know starting kids into hunting is teaching them how to shoot and what i like to do obviously go over gun safety where the where where the safety is explain all of the parts of the gun you know, the chamber, the trigger, the safety, my God, the trigger, teach them how to open the action and close the action, do all this with obviously an unloaded gun, go through some mock scenarios, you know, put the gun in their hand, let them handle it, show me how to open the action, show me how to close the action, show me how to open the action without having to pull the trigger. Because you take the safety off, you pull the trigger and you slide the action back. This would be on a pump action. But what if you don't pull the trigger? The hunt's over. You haven't fired the gun, and you want to show me how you open the action and unload the gun without pulling the trigger. You know, just basic gun operation. Mm -hmm. Now, now we're going to learn how to shoot the gun. It starts with eye dominance. We learn which eye is dominant. Now, if they are right-handed, it's called. There's a term for it called cross-eye dominance. So if you are left-handed but right-eye dominant, you're cross-eye dominant. If you're right-handed but left-eye dominant, you're cross-eye dominant. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. So you establish eye dominance, and 
90% of the time, or maybe 80% of the time, that cross-eye dominant thing is way more common than I ever imagined. Uh, we'll say we'll say 80% of the time it it's it's you know right on right or left on left or whatever. Like it's 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 good. Um, so let's say I'm going to use Oliver as an example because that's the last kid that I taught how to shoot. Um, so I put the gun in Oliver's hands, went through all the basic stuff, put the gun in his hand. And what I like to start with is getting a solid cheek weld. This, this is overlooked, commonly overlooked by anyone teaching kids how to shoot. Get a good cheek weld. This is extremely important. So before you even shoulder the gun, you show, you show or teach the kid, you need to have a good solid cheek weld on the buttstock. And you need to look right down the barrel, you know, right down the, the vent rib, you know, to the bead and, you know, aim at your target. So you get, get your cheek weld established. And then, and then once you get a good cheek weld, then bring your gun in to your shoulder. That's where your gun needs to be. And, you know, that you have to have the gun tight to your shoulder and then you have to have a good cheek weld. It needs to be, you know, solid up against your cheek. Otherwise, otherwise, when the gun goes off, it's going to punch you in the cheek and it's going to punch you in the shoulder. The same thing, like there can't be gap or you can't hover the, the butt against the shoulder. You can't hover your cheek against the buttstock. You need to have a good cheek weld and you need to have a good solid, you know, connection to your shoulder. So that's how it starts. Now we know the kid, when he starts shooting, he's not going to get hurt. Then, um, then what I like to do is I like to go through some mock shooting scenarios, like, you know, and, and the whole time I'm watching the kid, you know, make sure that he's got good fundamentals and the gun's not, the gun's not loaded at this point. I go through what's called some mock shooting scenarios where I actually throw a clay pigeon and I want you, Oliver, to take your safety off and pull the trigger like you're actually shooting right now I'm looking for right we're working all the kinks out because this kid has never done this before so we 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 relax we put the gun down you know like we're in a hunting you know we're just hunting or whatever and then when I throw the clay pigeon and and I just when I'm doing this I'm not necessarily teaching how the kid how to go shoot trap I'm teaching them how we're going to do it in a hunting situation. Um, so I have them have the gun like down in a relaxed position. I throw the clay pigeon and then I have them come up to his shoulder. And that's, that's when I want him to take the safety off and then pull the trigger when you think the time is right. And then put the safety back on, put, put the gun down. We go through some mock shooting scenarios where we actually throw plays and go through that whole thing, work the kinks out all the kinks out and get him smooth and accurate before we even load the gun. So now when I throw the first clay pigeon, like he actually has experience with all of the motions. Then when he's ready and I'm ready, we both have to agree. It's not me telling him he's ready. It's not him. He's telling me that he's ready. It's us agreeing. We have to be on the same page. So when we are, we agree that he's ready, then we, Put one shell on the gun, 
and throw an actual clay pigeon. And he has got to shoot, you know, and this is going to be surprising to a lot of people, but they usually hit their first clay pigeon because there is no recoil anticipation. Mm, sure. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I'm that saying? makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but guess what? He fucking hit his first clay pigeon. Whoa. What kind of confidence does that inspire? Yeah, no doubt. Like, what in the world? You know? Now, they don't always hit their clay pigeon, you know, on the first try. So don't don't think that if they miss, it's a failure. It's not a failure at all. But now now is the learning process. Because I'm watching him. You know, is is he flinching? You know, now now is when the fun part starts. Yeah, now's when you start belittling him and insulting him. <laughs> so each individual has their own losing. little mental barriers to overcome and it's your job as an instructor to recognize those mental barriers and help them overcome them. Some and, and everyone's different. Some people have really crazy like a bunch of mental barriers. Some people have no mental barriers. Some people are just naturally talented in some areas where other people have to work at it a little bit. Some people have to work at it a lot. But it's your level of oh, commitment. You know, you uh, used to have a term for this in my instructing days. Determination. Yes, determination trumps everything. If you want it bad enough, you will, you will achieve it. Oh, yeah, you'll overcome, you know, even if you did get a little, you know, cheek punch or a shoulder punch or whatever, if you're just hell-bent on wanting to do it, you're going to. Yes, you're gonna do a good it. example. A good example is I didn't have good instruction. My father did an incredible job as a father. He did a great job. Like I couldn't have asked for better parents. He was busy though. He was busy making sure we had a roof over our head and food on the plate, food on the table. Like he was busy. He he worked a lot, you know. And like if he had a little extra money, he bought me a twenty gauge single shot break action thing, kicked like a mule. You know, and my uncle across the street, he like came across a shoebox full of old ammunition. And this ammunition was three inch number fours and number two shots, steel shot for a 20 gauge. Let me paint this picture for you. <laughs> this fucking gun kicked more than any gun I've ever owned in my entire life. And this, this is what I had to work with. And I didn't have really any training, just like, you know, my dad, Ken, he went over the, just the basics, like safety. It had a hammer, you cock the hammer, you break the action, unload it, and here you go, good luck, have fun, you know, I believe in you. Okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I believe in you. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's slightly better than mine. I, I Nobody taught me, my dad didn't hunt, he didn't shoot. Um, I'm basically self-taught. Well, I do got to give some credit to my good friend, Jim. He he had, like, an uncle that was helping him, like, hunt. So, like, oh, he would take his lessons and then pass them on to me, kind of, sort of, but intermixed with all sorts of teenage boy. Uh, How old would you say you were, Dale? Oh, God, probably 16, 15, 16. I was driving, so okay. I had to be 16. Okay, okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> It was, yeah, I wasn't a little kid, little kid, um, but almost worse because, yeah, half of the training was him fucking with me. 
you know, like. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> purposely. Oh, no. Well, you don't have to feel that's sad. True. I made it out. I mean, it's like. Yeah, it, right, right. It, it didn't ruin it, so it's like oh, yeah, no, need, no need to be offended uh, by proxy. I, I wasn't offended. Sure. And I knew him, so it's like as soon as like some calamity yeah, would happen, I'd be like, buddies. "Oh, I should have seen that coming," you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an right. idiot for letting him do that to me, you know. Right. But yeah, it was. Yeah, I didn't have any like this instruction, but we eventually kind of did go through similar steps, like you're talking about. Just once you get to a level of like, I'm really into this, and I want to get better, you know. It's like okay, let's. My cheek and my shoulders were black and blue, and I would not quit. <laughs> I never really I got wouldn't to that quit. level. But... I did. Oh so determination God. trumps everything, you know? So many stories uh, flooding back right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too, you know? Like the first time <clears throat> the first time I shot a shotgun ever, you know, I was a kid. My brother was a kid, and we were at the neighbor's at the farm, and I don't know. He had a shotgun, and he's like, you want to shoot it? I'm like, yeah, I want to shoot. I want nothing more in the entire world than to pull the trigger on that thing, you know? And uh, I don't know, we put up a tin can and I freaking I squatted. You know, I just I just squatted close to the ground for some reason. And I pulled the trigger and freaking, yeah, I fell back into some thistles. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. it's just gotta, awesome. Gotta put the thistles in there. Because I was just so, like... Thistles normally hurt me, but I was so enthralled and so, oh my God, I just shot a shotgun. Like, do you have any idea? Like, I wasn't a man an hour ago. I am a man now. I fired a real live gun. (laughs) Sure. And how old were you? I would say 11-ish or 12-ish or 10-ish. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it's probably a good thing my buddy didn't uh, teach me earlier because he may have ruined me. Well, probably not. And he wouldn't have been that. He wouldn't have been that level of teenage prick yet. So. Oh sure, yes. sure. And I, I think the I've... first time I shot a shotgun, he's like, "Now make sure you hold that about a half inch off your shoulder." <laughs> so, oh yeah, my god! My very first shot was a, was a punch in the arm. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Oh, what an asshole. And that was one like, of those moments. I hate him, that was, but I love him because that's hilarious. It, it is hilarious. And it's one of those moments. It's exactly one of those moments that as soon as it happened, like the moment it you, happened, yeah, I like, knew. I was like, oh, I better. God, you're such an idiot. <laughs> like you, did, you didn't pause for one second Referring to think. Referring to yourself. Yes. Yeah. What would happen? Like let's just consider physics real quick here. Like I just, oh, yeah, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's do, okay, it's about a half inch. And a, boom, whack, oh, moron. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You're so, so mad, mad at, at myself. He's laughing. I can't even be mad at him. I'm like, I was, he, no. was, he could hardly breathe. He was laughing so hard. Oh, God. First, I'm cry laughing because it hurt like a fucker. Yeah, sure. And it was a 12-gauge. We didn't start with no 20-gauge, you know. Oh, God. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's the thing. Like so, I look back on that. Honestly, I look back on that fondly. Like it was, yeah, it was a dick move, but it came from a place of love, I guess. Yep. And the <laughs> memories, man. Yeah, yeah. We, you had, know, the memories. Memories times. are so valuable. Oh God. Yeah. Don't do that, people. <laughs> don't. don't not do to that. children. Do not do that to yeah, children. Yeah. Do it to your buddies. Don't do it to. Your yeah. Children. You can do it to your like grown-up friends. Oh, don't, my God. don't do that shit to children. You know, if you're at some sort of social gathering and your girlfriend's there, don't fucking pull that shit 
on her either no, to make no. all your friends laugh because she's going to hate hunting. Well, and you probably aren't going to be boyfriend-girlfriend for much longer. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, just, oh, yeah, my God. Man. Yeah, so sorry. I mean, to derail you. We'll get back to the <laughs> training kids the right way. <laughs> so, yes, training kids, first of all, how to shoot. And, you know, I've gone through basically everything I want to go through. Um, you know, those are the basics, but they're they're good. And, you know, I I just recently heard a story. Uh, my buddy Hunter Bosick, Little Falls, Minnesota, he took friends and family on a pigeon shoot recently, and there was a nine-year-old girl in the equation. And, you know, after Hunter told me the story, he also told me that, yeah, her dad, this girl's dad, you know, kind of rushed over shooting. And he admitted when the hunt was over, like, yeah, I, I may not have, I might have skipped a couple of chapters. You know what I mean? Because Hunter took, I think it was his uncle and maybe his cousin, nine-year-old girl on a pigeon shoot. And, um, and I had a single come in shot. And I think, I think it was the first time she had ever shot at a bird like a live animal mm -hmm. hunter told me that was the first thing and here we go with that you're not anticipating the recoil so well no because she has shot turkeys and stuff well anyways so she killed her first pigeon on her first try and then they had another flock come in and she shot again and she got hurt because she didn't have the gun maybe up against her shoulder maybe it was her shoulder and her cheek that got slapped but she put the gun down and she was done hunting you know, and th that's that's what we want to avoid. Right. You know, we want to avoid that sort of thing. You know, like we want them to have a good experience. <clears throat> and uh, and I think I don't think this girl is ruined because uh, it sounds like throughout the rest of the hunt, she didn't shoot anymore, but she was still a part of the whole thing. She wanted to be out there. She was excited to help retrieve the birds. And this girl has. Uh, quite a bit of hunting experience already at the age of nine. So, like, I think she's kind of out of the woods, but they might want to work a little bit more on, you know, good shoulder and cheek well. Yeah, know. and I think that's a good contingency to to consider um, that it might happen. And definitely, you know, you don't want to make them feel bad or make them feel like they're a quitter because they're, you know, if they're not ready to, right. to pick up and shoot in the next flock, there's no reason you should make them. But and I Correct. just I think even if you had walked through the steps, I think because in that heat of the moment, you a kid can easily forget some of those steps. Absolutely. Um, and then that same scenario pans out, no matter how much you tried to prepare for that, you know, to to not have. I think it's just kind of going to happen. I had a similar a similar case out a goose hunting. I had this uh, it was so cool. His grandpa had set up this hunt, called me, booked me for a honker hunt. It was a grandpa, dad, and son. So I had the three generations. And the kid had just went through all his firearm safety. He was super stoked. This is his first hunt he's ever been on. And, uh, you know, and obviously I gave the safety speech, walked through some stuff. You know, first time hunting out of a layout blind, so we did a bunch of dry runs. Like, you know, Yes, mock shooting scenarios yep. out of a layout blind like, are so valuable. Yeah, I'm like, all right, the geese are going to approach them from the right. They're coming in. They're setting their wings. I'm going to call a shot. And I was like, all right take them now you sit up and you're gonna you know and i was giving them tips like here's how i do it you know everybody kind of develops their own thing but i kind of lead with my left elbow and then come out 
and that kind of pushes the door. And then I set up, you know, like, let's try what works best for you. Yeah, and then the so we went, shoulders and elbows. went through that stuff and he, you know, he did that and he shouldered and I'm like, okay, it looks good. Well, and, so, and then thankfully we had some birds actually play nice. And uh, it was one of those, like you said, one of those uh, had like a, I think it was a single, might have been a double. Came in just like right, you know, doing it just perfect right in front of him. I'm like, oh, this is great. And everybody's like, I'm, and of course I'm whispering to him. So he, I had him right on my yep, right yep. shoulder. It was me, yep. the kid, dad, grandpa in that order. You know, I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. You know, I'm like, get ready. Don't forget. Lead with your elbow, whatever. And, you know, I called the shot and the kid popped up, boom, whack, smoked it. You know, it was, it was awesome. Really? Yeah. Just crushed it. But then kind of similar oh, to yeah. yours, the next flock. So now we had a flock. Everybody's shooting. And it might have been because there was more chaos going on. But the same thing, I think he missed a few steps. He shot. I don't know if he hit anything or not. I don't think he did. But something uh, on the gun bit him. So he had a little, like, it cut his finger or whatever. He was bleeding a little bit. I don't know if he got his finger in the slide. I can't remember what he did. But kind of the same thing. So he was pretty tentative then for the rest of the day. And, you know, it's like, but you could tell he had that determination because his yes, eyes were welling up. So big. He wanted to cry, but you could see him choke it down. Oh, shit. Yeah, he wanted to cry because of the pain, you know. And, you know, I fixed him up and the first aid kit and everything, and it wasn't anything major. Fucking first aid kit, Jesus Christ, Dale. What? <laughs> I thought you were joking. No. You got a first aid kit. Who doesn't take a first aid kit well, in the field? Wait now. Wait now, what, 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 what sort of damage? Physical no, it was just a cut. It was just a cut. But oh. I had, I had like a where, little tiny mini pack. Where, where, where was the cut? Where was the cut? I'm trying to remember now. It was on his. It was on his hand. On his. No, he, he had, had a cut on his hand. Yeah, he had. I, I don't know. He got it. Like, um, he didn't have a pump. He had an auto. So, I don't know where he had his hand. I, I don't really know because I remember going, in my head. Obviously, I didn't say this out loud. I was like, how did you do this, kid? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. He was holding the gun weird, maybe. Real weird. Somehow he got his finger in the slide or near the slide. I don't know what happened. Okay, so you had a Band-Aid or whatever. Yeah, I had a little first aid. It's just a little tiny, like, uh, super tiny first aid kit. And I had just actually just gotten it, like, free on some, like, construction safety something or other i'm like oh i'm putting this in my blind bag this is like perfect sure just in case and sure as shit i need it but anyways um but you could see him choke that like choke that down and he was ready to go but then we re-walked through because i actually was kind of trying to figure out how he did it still even after walking through i'm like i'm looking where he's putting his hands i'm looking like i don't know where in this scenario something even comes in contact with your hand in that spot but Obviously, it happened. So, yeah, right, um, right. However, he did it. But that point was the first. The first one went off perfectly, like flawlessly. Everything was perfect. And the very next one is when calamity happened because I think at that point they're so excited. You know, they're like, I think there's a little bit of false confidence that creeps in too. Where they're like, I got this. I can do this. I'm a big boy now. Yeah, and, right, right. You know, then again, it was a different scenario when there was multiple birds. Everybody was shooting. You know, there was a lot. There was a lot more chaos going on, and there's just there is more room for error, and it manifested itself in that moment. You know, so 
Um, he actually did, like, the next volley, he sat out, and then the next one, which ended up being our last one. He got back into he it. He got back into it. and Good. A bird dropped in his general direction. If I were to be honest, I'd say he didn't get anywhere near that bird, and somebody else shot it. But yeah, but you don't know. No, you don't know, and, you know, they pull out the old guide trick of, hell, nice shooting, boys. Yeah, good work. <laughs> yep, right, right. <laughs> Fist bumps all around. Oh, yes. God, you, you just get tipped so well when you're good at that little <laughs> yep. trick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good work, guys. I whiffed. Yep. yep. <laughs> I whiffed again. Good shooting, You boys. got them all. God I had a, I had a, that's a little side note. I got to tell a story because it was hilarious. These kids, these teenagers uh, totally called me out. Uh, in the in the best way possible. Oh, that's that's embarrassing. <laughs> no, I wasn't, but like, it, it was funny because it was snow goose hunting, and you had a pretty big group, and these guys couldn't hit shit, and so my my technique is I never shoot first, right? I I call a shot, I'm shouldered, that's... I pick a bird, I wait till the chaos ensues, and then I start shooting. Yep. So it's a little harder to go, our guide was shooting all our birds, right? You know, but correct, I correct. have also learned that if I don't shoot, the overall end of the day It's um, gonna be a fraction of what it should be. Yeah, it sucks. Like the, and, and they're and they, how they view they want bird, dead birds at their feet. They want the pile pick. Yeah, they well, want if, to go home and say, Yeah, we killed fifty. If well, I, if yeah, the guy isn't shooting, exactly. they would have killed fifteen. Exactly. And so like I can't I'm not letting that happen. And it's fine to be like, you know, I put them in right, front of them. Right. It's like, no, these these people suck. And so, you know, we're getting these flocks, and I'm calling it, and maybe the whole their whole group shoots, you know, one or two out of a nice flock right in front of us, and I'm dropping gotcha. two or three, right? Sure, sure. In, in the chaos. So we're doing... You're, dropping, you're we're, only dropping two or three because you... I only have three. Have I have a two? Vinci, yeah. So I don't have a mag on it. You can only shoot three rounds. Oh, that just blows my mind. We'll talk about that later. I know. I know. I should put an extended mag on there, but then it would be even more obvious that I'm killing more birds. But anyways, um, so one of these volleys came, and it was, God, they were, Bill, they were set up so perfect. This should have been, should have been the most ungodly rain out of my career. Like, well, they weren't, it wasn't a full tornado stacked, but it was one, it was one nice flock. I mean, right in right in the booty hole. Oh my God, it was so perfect, and they're backpedaling, getting ready to like set down. Like this isn't. Uh, it was so perfect. Anyways, call a shot. We all pop out of the, the the panel blind, and everybody starts shooting. And I can, you know, I'm always watching somewhat in my peripheral, and I'm not seeing shit fall, you know. And I'm like, God damn it! And they're shooting, and I'm, you know, I close out two or whatever, and then everybody's happy because some birds fell and. They're giggling. Everybody's just talking, and these two, the two kids right next to me, are just like, because because there was a lot of like um, teasing each other because they knew they weren't shooting well, and so okay. there was a lot of like, God, you suck, and you suck too, and you you know all that in real good natured, you know we're yeah, all having yeah, good, friends. yeah yeah yeah, and they're like, man, I, what did we get on that? Like one or two, and the kids are like, oh, Dale shot like three. I was like, shh, <laughs> quiet. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. I don't ever shoot anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we had a good I, – I mean, I did that, and I did that out loud, and we did it in a playful manner, and, you know, kind of – at that moment, reading my clients, and we had a good enough relationship that I felt yes, that I yes. could, like, pull the veil back a little bit, and they all had a good laugh about it. They're like, yeah, well, I mean, 
And I think one of them even said, too, it's like, well, if it wasn't for you, we'd go, we'd starve or something like that. It's like, oh, well. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it, it was funny, but, yeah, the kids called me out. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so back to Oliver, if you don't mind. No, back to absolutely. Oliver. So Oliver's, uh, okay, so his parents, Mike and Jen, are just long lifetime friends of mine. Remember how I said my motorcycle people and hunting people don't mix? Mike is a motorcycle. Mike and Jen are motorcycle friends of mine. They don't hunt. Like, they're just not into hunting. Mm -hmm. But their son, Oliver, is like, he wants to join the trap league. Phil, can you kind of help us out with this? Say no more. Let's do this. You know, so at the end of teaching Oliver how to shoot a shotgun safely and accurately, you know, do you have any interest in hunting? Yeah. The kids just fired up. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, just like everyone is when they're 9 or 10 or 11, they just want to do everything, you know? This this kid is just, yeah, he wants to go hunting. I'm like, okay, so now I just have to figure out how to make that work because you live, you know, about two hours away from me, you know? Um, and uh, I ended up bringing Oliver on his first hunt, and it happened to be a pigeon hunt. And I cannot stress how valuable it is to take a kid or anyone who's new to hunting on a pigeon hunt for their first hunt because it is not gear intensive. You don't need to have goose calls, duck calls. You don't need any of that. You don't need any of the calls. You don't need a flag. You don't need really anything for decoys. You need something for decoys. If you have, if you've never pigeon hunted in your life and you have a single spinning wing duck decoy, done. That's all you need, bare minimum. Um, I was kind of helping a kid get into pigeon hunting for the first time. This was a couple of years ago, Hunter Stein. And he didn't have any pigeon decoys. I said, what the hell did he end up using? I think he, he had pop bottles and he put white, black, and gray socks over these pop bottles. And him and his girlfriend, like, I kind of gave him some ideas of where to go scouting. And he found the mother load, got permission, went out there with his girlfriend. At the time of this hunt, I think they were both 16 or 17 or 18. And those two killed and recovered 119 pigeons over a pot bottle decoy spread. So I'm just saying, like, even if you're not set up for a good, you know, whatever, you don't need full body like you can do the bare minimum and have a fun time let's say those two would have gone out with their pot bottle spread and shot 10 like yeah they're never gonna forget that hunt this is our first pigeon hunt or whatever you yeah, know like, i was saying it's still gonna be a success if they shot anything it's like we've never killed spread. we've never killed 10 of anything ever right right over a decoy spread you know they didn't kill 10 dale they killed 119 jesus so uh, anyways, yeah, it's not gear intensive. You don't need calls, flags, super expensive decoys. You it's don't need cold. many decoys. It's not, it's not cold. <laughs> you don't need layout blinds. You know, you can hide. The, the hide is not as important with uh, uneducated pigeons. Um, it doesn't require any patience. <laughs> so I invited Oliver and Mike on their first pigeon hunt. And Mike was not going to be shooting. He was in his own layout blind. Uh, 
I put Mike in his own layout blind behind me and Oliver and Hunter. So this hunt was for Oliver. It was all about Oliver. Like the goal for this hunt was to have Oliver kill his first pigeon. So by all means, if we leave this field later in the morning, we have one bird and Oliver killed it. The thing was a huge success. And this is very, very much unlike a normal pigeon hunt where we go for pure chaos, hot barrels. Yeah, sure. Right, right, right. You know, so when you're exposing someone to hunting for the first time, or especially like a kid, you kind of want to find a hunt that's going to be a good pace for them, meaning a slower pace. You don't want chaos. You want this to be like, okay, I've seen 10 pigeons out there. You know, like, yes, we're going to have some activity. If some decoy and he misses, it doesn't matter. We're getting him, you know, we're, he's getting experience, you know, coming out of the blind, watching the birds decoy, being patient, waiting for the shot call, coming up out of the blind, shooting, hitting, missing, doesn't matter. He's getting experience. Mm -hmm. So I found a spot that was what I was assuming going to be a slower pace, got permission for it. Mike was on board. Oliver obviously was on board. And then it was me and Hunter, Bossen. And so I put Oliver in the very center blind, and then I was on the left of Hunter, Oliver, and Hunter was on the right of Oliver. And Mike was sitting behind us 10 yards, 15, 20 yards, something like that. He was just like there for moral support. And I told him, if you want to, you know, you could get your phone out, take pictures and video. And that's what he did. He had a blast doing that. So Oliver was only allowed to put one shell in his gun the whole hunt. Like, put one shell in your gun. We're working on the fundamentals. Uh, for this, um, man, Mike, Mike and Oliver, I should say Mike, went out the day before. Crap, I'm getting into the hills. Can you still hear me? Yep, yep. No, we're good for now. Oh, okay. Um, Mike went out with Oliver and bought him his first shotgun. They went to, I think, Sportsman's Warehouse or Shields, and they fitted him up with a shotgun that was a good fit for him. They ended up with a, a Winchester SXP pump. And, you know, Mike and Oliver were very excited for this first hunting experience, you know, so much so that they weren't going to use my Sperry 70. They were going to use Oliver's own shotgun. So they showed up and I had all the blinds played while, you know, we placed all the blinds and the decoys, put Oliver in the center. He was only allowed to put one shell in the gun at a time. We got there extra early so we could go through the mock shooting scenario with Oliver. You know, we were practicing safety and accuracy coming out of a layout blind. And we do that so when the first actual bird show up in the morning, when he, when I called a shot, he already has experience coming out of that layout blind. Right. The yep. Shot. yep. So we do the mock shooting scenario and do the safety and then and then we we kind of get into position and start hunting and one thing that's very typical with kids that I've found is they're way too fast. You know, they're they're extremely excited, which is good, but they come out of the blind when there's a when there's something with a heartbeat in front of them, they come out of the blind way too fast and they they just snap shoot. Mm -hmm. And Oliver was doing that. You know, he was doing that and he was missing. And for this scenario, I recommend an improved cylinder. And here's why. The person, the kid they got the first shot, like when the, when the, and we all agreed, we were on the same page. I'm like, okay, Oliver shoots first. When I call the shot, Hunter, you know, don't shoot. Oliver's shooting first. 
when he fires his first shot, then we'll just bat cleanup. That's all we're going to do is bat cleanup. So Oliver was coming up and shooting first, and it was like, okay, Oliver, boom, kill him. What in the hell? <laughs> Slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad that you're excited. I'm excited too, but slow down. You know, pick your bird and shoot. He did some missing. Uh, and then it happened. A flock came in. Okay, Oliver, kill him. Boom! Two pigeons fell to earth. Nice. Two. So Oliver's first pigeon was two. It was a shot. double. Nice. Like... Oh, my God. And then he started slowing down and actually picking a bird and killing a bird. And then it happened again. We had a pair come in. The first time, okay, there might have been a little flock shoot action in there. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The second time it happened, we had a pair come in. Oliver, kill him. Boom. There were only two birds, and he killed both of them. Nice. These birds were not on the ground. Dale, they were in the air. That's awesome. So, I mean, just I'm, I'm convinced that Oliver is going to enjoy hunting oh, for the rest of his yeah, life. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's ruined. <laughs> because he He's was ruined. he off to a good start. And and we took 66 pigeons out of that field with us. That's a good day. day. Yeah. Whatever. That was like I was. That's the beauty of pigeon hunting. You just never know. That's why you bring more ammo than you think you're going to use because you just really never know how many are actually feeding it. So, you know that. Uh, are, are we are we moving on from the the kid we experience? Can. Yes. Um, we can. Okay, yes. I just wanted to make sure we could. It sounds like it sounded like we got there. So, brought up um, point earlier about on you know blind and you don't even need to be hidden that well with uneducated birds and you know whatever. And I remember a scenario we had found this field and uh, we were out kind of, we were scouting for early season hawkers and the field that we were hoping, it was a wee field that I had my eye, eye on like all summer long. I'd got, already gotten permission like months earlier. And then it was one of those, is it matured too fast? You know, so they cut it like three weeks before September 1st, right? It's like, oh, I, okay, okay. This is going to be garbage. Shit. But it ended up turning that has into so many times to me. awesome so, go pigeon ahead. field. And so we get there. We're going to, yeah. like, hell, hell, let's just shoot pigeons, you know? So we go and we do that. And we're taking it very nonchalant. We just had, you know, like chairs. There was uh, the field butted up against standing row of corn. So we're like, I will just sit in the corn. Oh. Perfect, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And so we only sat one row in. And it was kind of, you know, a lot of times that edge row isn't like it's half as tall as the rest, kind of yeah, sparse. Yeah. And that and that's where we were, we were at. And yeah, the birds were working, but they could tell they weren't like digging it, you know. And we had spinners out, and uh, we had like three or four spinners. We don't have any pigeon decoys, but we just had our spinners going. And so, that's all. That's, just reading that's the reading the bird reading the language, you know. Where I'm like, I don't think these birds are not digging us that we're sitting here well, let's move in a couple rolls we went in and sh- as soon as we did that we started shooting so i think hide is a little overlooked for a lot of people when it comes to pigeons and maybe you can sure. get away with sticking out in the open but that day we could not okay so what are yep, your and, and ideas on pigeons and hides uh it's it's not as uh, it's not as critical um, not as not pigeons, as like a duck or goose. I'm not saying that at all. But 
Yeah, yeah. And and you asked for my opinion, and here it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as critical as ducks or geese, and here's why. In Minnesota, back in the day when I Minnesota has, or at least had, I'm confident Minnesota still has the highest population of waterfall hunters in the nation. Okay. That means we have the most educated birds that are scared of their own shadow. We have to learn how to kill those birds. So the hide is everything when it comes to ducks and geese in this state, at least it's extremely important. Um, Pigeons um, are not, they just don't see, they just don't see nearly, they see a fraction of 1% of that hunting pressure. Right. So it's yeah. not, the hide is not as critical. Now, your birds, you know, in your story, just based off of what you told me, those birds had been hunted recently, maybe not in that exact field, but maybe in the pasture. Sure, yep. Something nearby where those birds knew what spinners were. And pigeons can be educated just like ducks and geese can. We seem to still eat up the spinners once we hit ourselves a little better. So Yes. Yep. And and I wasn't there, so I mean it's very possible. And, you know, right. That, and like I said, or, I think I didn't really think about it. It's very possible that they were already hunted once. I don't yes, think huge. in that field, but And then and then another another thing too is whether you're hunting in the morning or in the afternoon, the very first birds, maybe the first few flocks you see, they're not even really hungry yet. They're just kind of doing the routine, stretching mm-hmm. their wings. Yeah. This is the first few birds in the morning and in the afternoon. So I'm telling you, Dale, you may have not been doing anything wrong. Those birds probably just weren't even hungry yet. But boy, let me tell you, when they get hungry, it <laughs> yeah. fucking changes everything. Yeah. That's the same thing with snow geese. Oh, and when yeah. they're hungry you're, and you're on a feed, you can get away with so much more. Snow geese and pigeons... All the birds, ducks, geese, when yeah, they're hungry, goose. man, they are vulnerable. When they, yeah, when they, when they land in the field, and they immediately start eating. Like they don't, they don't land and look around, and make sure the coast is clear. They land and start eating. We had, yeah, a, right. We had a honker hunt like that, and uh, Nick was part of it. It was one of the craziest days ever. These birds, we are, we are limited out, and these flocks. There, this uh, small group came over and bombed right in. It was a great day of mixed migrators and local birds. I was just gonna say, it sounds like a migration day. Just it wasn't it was, by the sure. little bit you've told me. Yeah, it was a migration day, but we shot some local birds right away in the morning. And then we had some um, the migrators come through. Gotcha. We're pecking up, and trucks in the field. We're all standing out, you know, talking, whatever, high fiving, and it was like a, a, a small flock came around. Of course, everybody saw their calls so they start ripping on them and these birds turn they come right in and they land with reckless abandon and i mean the moment their feet touch the ground they started eating those are new birds the moment it was the craziest shit i'd ever seen and we like chase them out of the field and they turn around and come right back and land again a little further away but there's like they didn't i mean they were throwing caution to the wind they're like we're starving (laughs) like we've been flying for hours it was it was yes. the damnedest thing, man. Those were one hundred percent migrators, you know, just because migrator days are my favorite um for hunting hunters. They're my favorite. Like there's no contest. Just because the things you can get away with and the bullshit that you see, the show that they put on. Oh yeah. You know, like like look at what you got away with. And those are migrators. Migrators are the most vulnerable 
a goose will ever be. Like that is the most vulnerable a goose will ever be. He started flying at midnight and he's been flying all night long and the sun comes up and now you see somewhere on the ground, I don't care if it's in the water or a sod field or rain field, buddies, you see a place to rest. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're physically tired. You're extremely hungry. And a lot of these migrators just hatched a few months ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. True. <laughs> so, they they're just not very smart either you know so yeah they yeah, start making noise on your calls and they they break down and what a show to watch oh, and nick made a call because one of those days it's like dude we could totally keep shooting so he, he couldn't find anybody to be one guy he found one guy that was like yeah i'm close i'll run Available. up there real quick right so we were all limited out we're basically waiting on him and he got there and jumped in one of the blinds and did not take long Sure as shit, he shoots a band too. It's like fucking a. Oh. <laughs> the add-on guy gets the band. Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was such a great day, though. Oh, that was an epic one. I think I think I've killed more bands on migration days than you know. Migration days are are incredibly good band days. Yeah, too. it's that definitely <laughs> seems to be the case. And I guess I wonder if it's just because there's more people. I mean, more geese flying through. Maybe I don't know. Higher percentage. I can't really not tell you why. It sure, is. I just know it is. Is, but, it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I think more more geese die. So, like, if you're if you're basing that off of like social media percentage. and other hunters, then yeah, it's a higher percentage of getting one just because more geese are actually hitting. Yeah. The dirt, right. Maybe. Right. It's possible. Right. Right. But yeah. So I, yeah. Back to pigeons, though. So we had we had alluded to one of our previous podcasts about um, like you and Nick differ when it comes to decoys. Like you said yes. you had some opinions on it. Nick Nick is of the opinion, if I may speak for him, that you don't really need, like, they see different. So they don't, like, to him, a pigeon decoy is kind of worthless. It's like all you need is spinners. Which is a pigeon decoy. Which is a pigeon decoy, obviously. But. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I see what you're he's, saying. As he's, far as... he's referring to non-spinning wing, full body, yeah, yeah. or even silhouette pigeon decoy on the ground. Sure, sure. Yes, and um, yeah, we do disagree that pigeon decoys. Just I'm going to call them plastics, whether it's a whether it's a full body or a, a silhouette, you know, plastics, anything that doesn't have a motor in it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just re- regular pigeon decoys. Yeah, yeah. I, I I believe that they are effective. I prefer not to use silhouettes. I don't get the feedback from the pigeons that I want to get from silhouettes. So I just uh, stick to full bodies. I only use a dozen and they're, they're cheapos. Uh, I think, I think sport plast is the, is the brand. Um, I bought them from Knudsen's. Knudsen's is still around and you can still buy weird decoys from Knudsen's and they, they have wood pigeon decoys. And as soon as I bought them, it's like, 75 or something dollars for a dozen of them and i don't get the big ones either i get the normal or the smallest you know not not dove size decoys i get just normal regular size pigeon decoy and uh as soon as i get them i hit them with spray paint and i make them look more like the ferals i don't get out a big brush and fucking get all the detail <laughs> because it's not necessary sure um i just you know 
make a couple white ones, I make a couple black ones, and then the rest of them are just like dulled down to look like our normal feral barn pigeons. Just it doesn't have a, you know, it doesn't take, we're not hunting educated birds like ducks and geese, you know, so it's like, stop overthinking it, you know, less work, more fun. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So I suppose we could get into sort of the pigeon deep dive. Yeah, for um, sure. And how it all started. So for me, I'm going to say that I really, really got into pigeon hunting. <sighs> Grainfield pigeon shoots. I'm going to re- try to refer them as grainfield pigeon shoots, meaning we're not chasing them out of the silo. Yeah, you know, banging on the silo and shooting that, them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no, no. This is not even comparable to that. Okay. This is more comparable to a mallard shoot where you use 12 decoys and you're not struggling to get permission for this spot. Getting permission is easy. And they keep coming in and you don't have a limit and you're shooting lead shot and you don't have a plug in your gun and you don't need a license. <laughs> it's better in every fucking way. An anarchist dream. <laughs> so uh, anyways, back in the day when I was 16, uh, if you remember me saying I just loved hunting, like that's it just consumed me. I ate, slept, and drank. Just hunt, hunt, hunt. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Turn 16, and you know, I would go around. I had several properties, farmers who did let me chase them out of the silos. And I had one because we didn't, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. This was back in the mid 90s, man. You know, nobody was doing it. Like, nobody was doing it the way that we do it now. Mm -hmm. So I had no clue. I would go around to these farms and chase them out, shoot them. And one of these farms had quite a few pigeons. And there was a feed bunk that I would sit in and wait for the pigeons to come back. And I would just shoot them pastured in as they'd come back. And I had the crazy idea to just put a single dead pigeon out in the dirt in front of the feed bunk and I'll be goddamn the next pigeons that came back not only did they slow down they tried to land <laughs> what and I freaking shot 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 before you know it I had a dozen decoys and everything that saw those dead pigeons on the ground and suck in like a magnet and I was like this is I I thought it was a fluke, you know, I had right. no idea. I thought it was a fluke. Like I didn't believe really what was going on, even though I witnessed it with my own eyes. I, I was like, no, this isn't real, you know? Driving around on another I was sixteen, maybe seventeen years old, driving around, there was a grain field that was cut and there was like twenty or thirty pigeons in it. I just like, well, there's an opportunity. The early goose season isn't open yet and we can go sit out there. I'm gonna go to Farmer Joe's place kill six pigeons and we're just going to stand in the corn me and brian becker and i think his name is Raynard becker his cousin um yeah do you guys i convinced them it didn't take a whole lot of convincing um yeah let's we don't have anything else going on so we took the dead pigeons we sat out we stood out in the corn and i think we killed like 46 or something these pigeons were just like they couldn't get into the decoys fast enough and that's when I learned that, holy crap, like pigeon hunting is like, there's so much potential. Mm-hmm. That's how I learned 
I, I self-taught, you know, like you said earlier, like, yeah, when, when I started, like when I got into it, I was self-taught. I taught myself how to do this or that it could be done even. And now since then, you know, I see all of the industries getting into it. Final approach, soar no more, like making their own full body pigeons and they're expensive and they're like almost custom painted and there's pigeon spinners, like a pigeon spinning wing coin. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are making a lot of fucking money oh, yeah. on this. Yeah. And a lot of these things are not necessary. There's a lot that's, of things. That's not, all I'm saying. Yeah, there's a lot yes. of things not necessary in the outdoor in the outdoor industry. In the but correct people correct. like to buy shit. And yes, they do. You can people can mock it and laugh, and I know some guys really like to shit on it. But it's like when it's the off season or even in the season, they're fired up about it. People are fired up about it, and, and if yes. going to Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's or Dicks or wherever, and you impulse buy some pigeon decoys or whatever the thing gadget gimmick oh, it might feels be so good oh you just you're you're it so feels so that good. moment you're so jacked up and you're like oh my yeah. god I can't wait. we're going saturday we're gonna fucking smash them this is gonna be the best day ever and that I'm little interaction awesome decoys bloody and that little interaction did that so at that moment of time whatever he spent on that trinket that gadget that gimmick totally worth it to him in that moment in my opinion, and now you're more excited to go pigeon. Yeah, that might. So not... where you were just thinking about it, and not being about it. Now you got these decoys. Like, okay, now I'm vested in this thing, and, and I really want to put these to work. So now I'm, I'm more excited to go now. And in the field, it may not even help you one bit. There might not be a marked difference. That that purchase may have not actually made you a successful pigeon hunter or goose hunter, duck hunter, whatever the case might be. But what it sure. did is it you were fired up. You, you yep. got to scratch the itch in a store, reminded of how passionate you are about this thing, and like now the anticipation for looking forward to the hunt has grown to this yes. next level. Totally worth it, in my opinion. Like, yes. Like, and we, as other people sitting on the sidelines, got to be a little more careful like shitting on people for that. You know, it's like going back yes. to like the forums and the Facebook pages when some somebody, I was going to say kid, but actually a lot of times it's adults, will come in and they'll ask what most people that have been hunting for a long time will consider an easy or dumb question. And I'm actually convinced, so again, we get into like the the psychology of what makes people tick. And I sit on the sidelines and I look at these things happening and I go, what is happening here is I actually think that that person pretty much at least 80% already knows the answer to this question. And the, it wasn't actually about getting answers to a question. It was... I'm getting really excited about this and I need to talk about it with people yeah, that are similar. So yes. they, yes. they, they just spit it out there without any thought. They instinctively just write, what do you guys think about layout blinds? And then what kind of layout blinds you run? And then people jump down their throat and then you just ruin the whole thing. It's like, no, this person, all this person wants to do. They're just excited. They're just excited. And they want to talk about hunting because they fucking love it. Could you just, yep. if you, if you're not in the mood to talk about, hunting then just keep your tongue behind just your teeth up. and your fingers off the keyboard like yep. just let let that guy have his fun let him be excited yeah. yeah he's excited and go ahead and answer the question you know i mean as best you can if, if it seems like a, yeah. a simple question give a simple answer i mean it's really not that hard 
<laughs> One thing I do have a problem with, though, is the people who try to convince other people that you absolutely need flock decoys. You absolutely need a spinning wing yeah, decoy fill in, the blank. in your it pigeon spread. It has to be this way. Like, if yeah. you don't have a spinner, you can't go out and you can't be successful. If you don't have flock decoys, you can't be successful. If you don't have DSDs, you know, like if, or God, the, the, the latest the list thing goes that on, just yeah. bothers the shit of me is uh, if you don't have a thermal scope for coyote calling, you can't be successful. That that just, just kills me, you know, like, because oh, wow. those thermal scopes are, you know, $5,000 yeah. units. Super. You know, and here's a kid just like I was who wants to get into this, and you can't afford that. You can still be successful hunting anything, ducks or geese or pigeons. Yeah, that, that happens. Bare minimum in, equipment. That happens in the fishing world, too. You know, these electronics get better and better and better, and they're not cheap. You know, these uh, forward facing sonar things are 1500 bucks, 2000 3000 You know, it's like you don't just run out and buy one of these. But apparently, people find right. a way because a lot of people have them. I don't. And sure, yeah, sure. you. you and there is a bit of a head game, and I've been guilty of it too. It's like oh, I gotta go and catch these fish, and I don't have, you know, I'm going to a tournament, and I don't have any of this stuff. Everybody else does. I'm gonna get my ass kicked, and and does it give them an advantage? Yeah, probably. I mean, at sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be there if it wasn't some sort of advantage, but it's how you measure yeah. your success too. And comparison is the thief of joy. So if you're looking at what other people are doing and that's your measurement of success, you're setting yourself up for failure or at least failure in air quotes. Because if you had more realistic expectations and goals, knowing you don't have the best, the best, the best, whatever, and you're using pop bottle pigeon decoys, you have to lower your expectations. You're like, man, if I don't think this janky thing is going to work at all. If I kill one pigeon, that's a hell, that's awesome. And then, Oh my God, we killed one. That's sweet. If we got 10, that'd be amazing. We need to get 10. Next yeah, time exactly. you walk out there with 47, you're like, that is a, yes. I don't care if the guys with flock decoys and spinning wing decoys and, and, uh, Android all, all mechanical and, yeah. uh, pigeons on the ground walking around. Like, yeah, they killed 250. That didn't mean you didn't have a successful day. You went with a fraction of what they had and far exceeded your expectations. You know, I would say I would say in that vein, you're more successful than the other group. Yeah, yeah, because maybe those guys that killed 200, maybe there was a thousand feeding in that. Right. Field. Maybe they went out there. Maybe with 12, they didn't actually. Twelve yeah, guys and they, they were hoping to kill did. 300, and they only exactly. killed two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you saw 10 in your field. You saw 10. You killed 47. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whoa! Talk about an upset. You yeah, know, that's exactly. what happened to me. Me, Oliver, and Hunter when we went out. It's like, dude. You know, I was hoping for a slower pace, and it was actually a very good pace. And Oliver's a good kid; he's a great listener, and that's a result of good parenting. You know, so it was. I just love the outdoors, Dale. <laughs> yeah, well, you're at the right place. It's the right program for it. <laughs> uh, oh man, I think we actually lost him around that moment. He must be in the hill country. Hang out a little bit longer here. I'm I'm here. There I'm he is. Here. Okay, there you are. Got super quiet. Like I didn't hear road noise. That's why I thought. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. The, the whole like all audio on my end. Well, did, from did, your end. you must have caught you must have caught my last comment. I love the outdoors. Yes. I laughed hysterically. Yes. Okay, that yes. was the last thing I said. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Yep, well, you're in the right spot for that. And, uh, yeah, now you're getting me fired up. I wish I did have some more pigeon hunting opportunities up here, but there really isn't any. Oh, okay. So yesterday was an exciting day for me because, you know, I love talking to friends and family, especially about things I'm passionate about, you know, when I'm driving a semi-truck. You know what I mean? Like, talk to me. Help me get through the day, you know. So Nick Johnson had a great day yesterday. He had clients. And he was able to invite our mutual friend, Joe Hines, with. So it was Joe, Nick, and I think three clients. And uh, they all had a great time. Nick made a bunch of money, you know, doing what he loves. Are you listening, people? Um, <laughs> right. And then, and then uh, so a couple of days ago, I was driving through an area. And Keegan, I don't know his last name, but Keegan reminds me of myself when I was his age. Keegan, it just sounds to me like Keegan, he's a young man. He seems to scout for pigeons from north to south, east to west, all the borders. He's just all over the place. Keegan's out of control. He just loves pigeon hunting. And so I was in my semi-truck the other day, still in Minnesota, on my way to make a pickup, and saw an area that looked pretty darn good. Like, dude, I would love to scout pigeons here and spend time with these birds. So I called Keegan. I said, hey, do you know where this area of Minnesota is? He's like, no, I've never heard of it. There was a, a long pause. He's like, I'm 20 minutes from there. I'm like, okay, you need to come to this area, spend some time. It looks like there's some good potential here. So he went there yesterday, and he found an incredible place to hunt. And he's hunting it this morning. Oh, sweet. So... I, I'm just really excited to hear the stories when they're finished. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and they shot a band yesterday, too. Uh, band. Nick did. Yeah, Nick yep. did. And it was an, an yep. older band. Like, how old the pigeons live? 19. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. They killed, a, they killed a 2019 band yesterday. So that's a pretty that's a pretty old pigeon, and I have no idea how long they live. But I killed a 2018 pigeon band about three, two, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. So I killed one that's even older than that. That's crazy. Recently. Hmm. See, I've never, well, I haven't, I haven't actually done a shit ton of pigeon hunting, so it's not too surprising when I say I haven't shot a banded pigeon yet, but. Okay. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I actually haven't, I just haven't really done it that much. Right. And in my mind right now, I'm reaching, I'm like, okay, how can I make this work? I got, next week, I got practice for a fishing tournament and then <laughs> like this isn't gonna work <sighs> i mean i could yeah, do it after fishing but it's gonna have to i'm nowhere near anywhere yeah, good don't, so i mean don't don't be don't be above you know just hiring nick your good buddy who you're friends so you support your friends you know just hey can i get on one of these that's gonna save you a bunch of time Oh, for sure. It's, it's more distance traveling than anything and where I'm going to be and yeah, where right, I need to be. Yeah, right, because how far away are you from Nick's front door? Three hours? Four uh, hours, maybe? Uh, yeah, four hours probably. He's in Wisconsin uh, now, so probably four God. hours at least. And then, um, well, like where I'm going to be next weekend for getting in the practice time for this fishing tournament is Grand Rapids area, so okay, not really getting me that much closer. So what I, my thought in – what I was thinking is that I was like calling my buddies like, hey, line us up a pigeon field and I'll meet you after I get off the water. But it's just not going to happen. 
<laughs> just, I guess, sure, just got sure. to let it go. It's not going to happen. And my August yeah. is ridiculously busy, so I got that tournament, and my family's coming up here for a week, and then yeah, the last half I have helping run this resort, so yeah, I'm, I'm packed, so. Oh well. How how's how is your late August into September? Like the last three days in August and the first two days in September. Well, I actually will be. To be specific, I'll be down in the cities because I have to actually work the state fair a few days. I plan on being at state fair at least one or two days. I'm actually going to the Boys to Men concert. Um, what? Yeah, dog. So yeah, so I will be in the Twin Cities area. And could definitely get it on a hunt if someone has one set up. Sure. So this is this is the second year of what I have coined the pigeon dove hunt dove extravaganza. Oh, it's an extravaganza now. Tell me more. Get kids into the outdoors. Pardon. Yeah. Continue. Tell me more. Um. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'll be doing that for the second year this year and um, we're still playing a little bit of musical chairs as in like who will be available and how much room will we have and everything but I have I have a floater spot in there um, and if we have room for a day or two it's a five day event oh wow we, we hunt pigeons on the last three days of August and then we hunt doves and pigeons on the first two days of September. And then we have a pigeon, no, then we have a dove sweet corn feast on the very last day of the hunt. Nice. Sounds fun. So I, I kind of have a floater spot, you know, so if it if it works out, but the thing is, Little Falls and the Twin Cities are maybe an hour and a half away, so it is going to require about three hours of driving round trip for you. But yeah, we'll just yeah. try to figure it out. I don't even know if there's going to be a spot available. Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I don't see that happening. Just what, sure. what my yeah. schedule is, geographical location. Yeah, I don't see that panning out, unfortunately. Sure, sure. One of these days, Phil, <laughs> we're going to make it happen. Yeah, right. Between your schedule and mine, like I'm, I'm never home, man. Right. Know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually home two or three times a month yeah and when i'm home i'm way up here and when i'm home even if i'm here or i just i'm busy like i always have sure my bass clubs and future anglers of minnesota and work and this it's I, i'm just <laughs> spare time is is i'm not this isn't a complaint i just don't i don't have a lot of downtime where there's nothing going on like just don't <laughs> I, I fill my time and uh like i said it's not a complaint it just is what it is i'm very uh, actually happy that i get to fill my time i know a kid in minnesota remember how i say those super duper expensive pigeon decoys that are custom painted mm -hmm. they're like 140 dollars a dozen there's a kid in minnesota that has 80 of them full bodies jesus it's, you know but i know we it. just took a hard left turn you know but it's like holy smokes, and this is he's a kid. Yeah, but I wish I would have got to again, him sooner. He loves it. He wouldn't buy yeah, it if yeah. he didn't love it. So right, you right. know, going back to like the uh, Minnesota waterfowler days, like was it you that did? Because there was somebody that was doing like paid pigeon hunts. Yeah, I guided pigeon. That was hunts. you. Yeah, I, I thought that was you. 
And yep. uh, I remember, like, in 2006, I started offering my Greenfield pigeon shoots to the public. Yeah, and I remember that. And I was that. extremely there was successful with it. Hubbub around it. People were like, "What? You pay for a pigeon shoot?" There you was know? a ton of criticism. Yeah, a ton. But you were putting giant piles in the dirt, <laughs> yeah. and it quickly became obvious that, like, yeah, okay, you could go do it yourself and shoot ten, or. <laughs> For a hundred bucks or a hundred feet, whatever you're charging, like show up and absolutely smash. Yes, right. You can you can go shoot fifty rounds, and you know try kill them out of the silo, and you're probably going to kill a dozen. They're hard to hit when you're chasing them out of the silo. So you can go shoot your two boxes of shells and just have a great time and kill ten, or you can hire me, shoot a hundred rounds, and kill. You might kill 100 that morning. You right. might only kill 50, but it's going to be more than 10. Yeah. And these birds are decoying. It's like a mallard shoot. This is what we dream of. And guess what comes after pigeon hunting? Honker season. Early goose season starts. So there's no better way to hone your shooting skills right. than shooting at a pigeon. If you can hit a pigeon, those honkers don't have a chance. Honkers cannot get out. When you call the shot, they are way too fat. They're right. big and heavy. They cannot get out, dude. Right. You have all the time in the world to kill three for three. Why wouldn't you kill three for three every time? You know? And please, and take that skill into the field. Because one thing that drives me crazy is, I should say drives me crazy. I find it odd. So you'll go pigeon hunting with your buddies, and they're killing pigeons, this little small bird. And then a couple weeks later, you go honker hunting. And you're killing hawkers, but they're center punching these hawkers. It's like, can you just shoot them in the head? Like, it's the same size <laughs> as a pigeon. I know you can do it. I've seen you do it. They're <laughs> afraid of missing. Just stop center punching these birds. <laughs> <laughs> Should say it drives me crazy, but it's just one of those things. They're just like, why, why, just why? They get, yeah, it's never, they get excited, it never. Though. It never bothered me. Sometimes I'll just keep shooting them. Yeah, but I like falling e I like eating I, them. I so. know that's the difference between us. Like <laughs> the only thing that would make it better, and I don't care if it's ducks, geese, pigeons, snow geese. The only thing that would make it better is if they would catch fire and explode, like burst into flames <laughs> on the way down. There was nothing to pick up, nothing left. The pile oh, picks would be really so lame. Awesome. Though. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> wouldn't be wouldn't be much for that. Nothing left for the taxidermist either. I just love, just love, yeah. Oh, it's, I love shoot birds. <laughs> it's it's a ton of fun. There, no doubt about it. You know what else is fun? I don't know if you've done this much, but like uh, crow hunting over decoys. Okay. They decoy really well. Probably yes. for the same Pro reason as pigeons, because they they're well, unpressured. Yeah, but crows are just born smart. Like and they are, are smart, though. But that And it is a challenge. So your hide is yes. very important. Extremely fucking important. <laughs> yeah. Movement has to be non-existent. But when they right. when they decide to do it, ugh, the way they float down and come to... Oh, my God. And the, But there's a weird thing. Like, if you... If you <clears throat> if there's a few crows around and you wing one right and the thing goes down and it's on the ground so i'm it's usually starts talking right starts away starts talking a con <clears throat> oh that fires the other crows up and they come in but a really weird thing happens the other crows start attacking that crow it's like they were buddies two seconds ago but now that you're injured they're like fuck you 
It's like <laughs> fucking turkeys. Same with turkeys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've Why? seen that. Like, you shoot a turkey, and all of a sudden his buddies they came strutting in with just start kicking the shit out of it. I was quail hunting in Nevada. I dropped a quail, and a fucking roadrunner exploded out of the brush and started attacking my quail. Oh, <laughs> what? That's what? something I wouldn't mind putting on the books and plan as a, as a like, desert quail hunt. That'd be fun as fuck. It is fun as fuck. And chucker, too. Which you know, that game goes into chuckers. <laughs> they uh, taste great. They do. They do taste good. I love them. quail and chuckers. My God, they taste so good. You're gonna learn to like waterfall. Hang out with me long enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm down too because I just I, I love food. It's amazing that I'm not fat because I'm oh. a truck driver and I don't get any exercise. But I'm very aware of what I snack on. I'm very careful about my weight. I don't want to look like a trucker. Or, it's okay to be one. Or but I don't you're like me. Like, like one. And no matter what you do, you couldn't possibly get fat if you tried. I do have a high metabolism as well. I've been yeah. blessed with that. Yeah, I think I think your your body shape and mine are very similar. So I think it's yeah. I yeah. think you you're blessed with a high metabolism, somewhat like mine. Because yep. I've had well, I'm in an office job now, and you know I try to eat pretty well, but I wouldn't call myself a health nut by any stretch of the imagination and you put sure. me behind the wheel and my healthy eating goes right out the fucking window and yeah it's, because it's fast you food be... and chips and dip and yeah <laughs> you know um and just don't gain weight so no, no offense to those out there that are on their weight loss journey not trying to rub it in just is what it is yeah pretty happy about it if i'm being honest <laughs> Well, yeah, it's one of those things. Again, it doesn't suck. Yeah, it also I, doesn't suck that you've never shit your pants. Yeah, exactly. So it's okay, you know, it's okay to to be proud of that. That's yeah, not a bad I am, thing to be I am proud pretty of. proud of that. Actually, that's a good one to be proud of. <laughs> Stand alone in the bar a lot of times on that on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so getting kids into shooting and then hunting and then pigeons Phone down. and pigeon hunting equipment and how. It's not gear intensive. Um, no. What we're trying to say is, if you're sitting around waiting for hunting season to get to you, don't. You don't have to wait. It's going on right yeah. now. It's called pigeons. Yes. Yes, and this is this is just a perfect time for that. I and guess, pro, pro season is open right now too. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. Don't don't so, quote yeah, me they, on that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Doesn't doesn't Minnesota have two different seasons? Oh, man, they've changed it a few times over the years. I think it's it's almost like a um, – I consider it almost like a continuous season, but it, it's, it only shuts down for like three weeks at a time, I it's think. It's a gray area. Or like one month at a time. So it's like yeah. three months, oh, okay. and then it's closed. It opens it again for three months. It's closed. But it just does that like full the, for the full year, I think. Again, don't quote sure. me. I'm not reading the regulations. But then, of course, they right. throw that caveat in there. Or if they're, if they're doing, causing damage, if they're doing yep. damage or about, or about to, to do yeah. damage. <laughs> so yep, we're always like, say it's a gray area. Yeah, and if you're know? hunting in ag land, there really isn't any gray area. Like uh-huh. just yeah, if they're if they're in a field, they're causing damage, so fuck them up. And Yeah, my best my my record pigeon shoot, just solo shoot, I recovered ninety one pigeons and seven crows. You know, and uh, those crows were about to do damage. Yep. 
Well, yeah, you can tell. You just I look don't know at, look if in the girl season was open or not, but they were about to do damage. Well, one hundred percent. Just look at their eyes; they're shady as fuck. I mean, they they had, they I were know. up to shit. They were up to something right. for sure. No, I actually have a I have a, a handful of flocked full body crow decoys that I bring with me early season honker hunting. How I, many? I always set them out. I think I have. Um, it's not a lot. Five. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I always just kind of set them off the side. I got a crow call hanging on my lanyard. Oh, yeah. And A target well, of opportunity. Exactly. And we're waiting for honkers, and, and a lot of times the crows will start flying first thing, and you just give a couple calls on that. Sometimes it, they pull them in, they start coming. Other times they ignore you. They're like a bird, any other kind of bird, you know. This doesn't always work out for you, but sure. sometimes you get to get a little wing shooting in while you're waiting for mags to fly through. Yeah, like. All, all seven of those crows that I killed during the pigeon shoot, it was a good hike because I was in one roll of corn. And all seven of those, I called in with my voice. Mm-hmm. And I do the same thing, like if you're on an early season honk run, just like you were saying, you know, you got your crow decoys out there and you got your crow call. If there's a crow, you know, for in the goose decoys, and there's a crow and it looks like he's pretty lazy and vulnerable and he's got a good line on us, I'll start just mouth calling. And he's like, just out of curiosity, what the fuck's going on over there? And he gets a little too close to the business end of bone, bone crusher, <laughs> yeah, which is bone. my Benelli. <laughs> bone crusher is my Benelli. If they get too close to the business end of bone crusher, they certainly get the business. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fun. I like it. They're, uh, they're, they're a lot smaller than they look when they're flying. Which, Crows? Yeah. And uh, they, they're, they're more challenging to hit than they should be. For whatever reason, they, we lead them too much, or not enough. Maybe they're going faster than we think they are because they look like they're flying slow. I'm not sure, but there's more times I care to admit I pulled up on a what looked like a layup crow shot and missed. I'm like, what in the hell just happened there? Oh. And nobody expects you to eat those either. <laughs> so those are those are a good one if you're not into uh, having to worry about. Uh, meal prep after the hunt. Can you hear me? I have one bar right now. I can hear you. I can still hear you. Okay, okay. Do you remember back in the Minnesota Waterfaller days a guy named Hammer? Hammer? Yep. Vaguely. Okay, so John Hamilton. He is... Oh, man. How do I explain him? We might have to have him as a guest. This is an extremely... Maybe... Maybe one of the top five most interesting individuals who I who I know. I like He's an that. extremely into like extremely interesting individual. He's very unique. He's authentic. He's just a good man. Um, crow hunter. Like I don't know of anyone who got into the crow hunting as as well as him. Like oh, cool. he he just understands crows. I think his best day was over two hundred. Oh my! And this God. happened in Minnesota. Oh, we have a lot of crows. That's for damn sure. They Especially have, in the Twin Cities, and they he might gets still permission have, in places. They used Go to ahead. have crow. They used to have crow contests, crow hunting contests. Yeah, they they have them. They have them still up where I I've lived okay. up north now for I don't know two years, and they have crow contests up there. I'm like, really? Yeah, they actually have crow contests, and like any other hunting or fishing contest, there's drama. Oh yeah, you know yeah, who's yeah. who's cheating? Oh yeah, you know who's cheating and all. 
that bird's eyes are they're dented in so you killed it yesterday you know oh yeah anytime you put competition and money together and people there's going to be cheating yeah right i'm not against hunting or fishing contests i'm not against them at all i just don't participate in them <laughs> yeah well i mean it just takes the fun out of it you know that's that as somebody who competitively bass fishes it i would say it adds an element it becomes a different thing yes correct I've heard people say I fish harder or I hunt harder, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's absolutely arguable and I am certainly in the minority because there's tons of coyote hunting contests right. and I don't want right. any part of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. They got that, but, that annual snow goose competition down South too. Spring snow goose down there around oh, Arkansas. That's in Arkansas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. They got that yeah. one. And like you said, drama ensues. <laughs> almost, yeah almost inevitably uh yeah i would say like when i'm fishing a fishing tournament I'm definitely i'm i'm definitely more focused and you're watching the clock you only have a certain set of time to do it have a completely different agenda when there's money on the line yeah so yeah and when it's just me yeah there's no time it's just relaxed and i'm gonna go i'm gonna go try over here and there's no like FOMO involved as far as like doesn't matter if I go try this spot and it doesn't pan out I didn't waste I don't feel like I wasted 45 minutes right because I'm not on the clock but on you're actually relaxing yeah but on a tournament you're like I wonder if there's anything over there it's like yeah but what if there isn't then you're just, you just mess go where you know you know go stick to your practice what you, where you know fish are you know you go through that whole mental the mental hoops and the mental obstacle course but yeah when you're just enjoying it and there's nothing on the line go try it if it doesn't work out big deal not a big deal right not right. a big deal this one i haven't done any bird contests though just just fish i i used to do a coyote calling contest when i was younger but it was kind of like a phil schmidt invitational like i would invite todd signer like okay you're one team and i would invite eli sandquist okay you're another team and i'd be like okay josh anthony you're another team chris young you're another team like it's just going to be five teams up to two guys on each team and it's just for fun we're going to hunt all night and then we're going to meet at the waverly cafe and we're going to have breakfast and it's just bragging rights we're going to have breakfast and tell stories who got the most it's just it's just for fun there was no money you know Oh man, breakfast! You just brought uh, so one of my favorite things about hunting is breakfast. And I'm talking when you have oh. the opportunity of having that mid-morning. We just limited out. Let's hit the the local greasy spoon and get some, some breakfast. Awesome pictures and relive the hunt, my friend. Man, is that just not some of the best time spent? breathing and live on this planet it's so valuable Ugh. it is so valuable get to just bask in the success of the hunt and get good food Ugh. and you have nowhere to be i don't care whatever your social or relationship status was nobody expected you back for hours so this yep. is free time right now <laughs> this is just Let's talk about not having to be anywhere and not having I'm to watch the clock. I'm going to eat this delicious eggs Benedict, and then I'm going to get food cold. I'm going to go home and go to sleep. We're going to relive. We're going to relive every moment that we just experienced an hour ago, <laughs> as if we don't all lunch? just remember it. 
but we're yep. still going to say it out loud to each other. <laughs> yeah, but now we can talk about all the things we wanted to talk about out there, but we couldn't because there was birds coming in. Right, 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 like, right. Remember that one flock, that one pigeon did a backflip for no reason? Like, you know, now you get to actually relive the hunt. Yeah, and then, yeah, and it always... It always brings up more memories too, you know. And then you start bringing up, oh, that was like this hunt we did and two years ago, and you know, just oh, that that moment. <clears throat> you know, that's something I never really thought about. That would be something, you know. You could talk to somebody who doesn't hunt. Like, I wonder what would be the equivalent, you know? Because any other kind of sport, there is a set time for the most part, except for I guess maybe golf or what would be another one. Because, yeah, almost every other sport has a set time. Foosball. Right? You don't get... Foosball, there's no timer. You don't get through it faster. You know? <laughs> like, it just... You got to play the game. The game takes X amount of time. Um, yep. But is there another kind of pastime that's similar to that? That it's like, you're done because you were so successful, and then you go and get that breakfast. Like, that might be a, a nearly uniquely outdoorsman thing. It's one of the things that brought so much value to Goosebusters when I owned it. It's, you know, we would have a good hunt and take pictures, and then we would all go, myself included, you know, because I wanted to build strong relationships with these clients because my definition of success was not get these people to pay me and then I'm done. Right. My definition of success was I am trying to, these, these, it's not success unless they become repeat customers until they're return clientele. Like these guys, need to be repeaters that's my definition of success so i build that relationship with them we take pictures after the hunt go to breakfast relive the hunt get to know each other like that after the hunt breakfast is so valuable oh so good so going back i can't believe i forgot this part but this reminded me so the back to that story that the kid that you know shot the goose that grandpa dad kid oh yeah yeah took out they had a vrbo nearby and they had never goose hunted before none of them um, it was kind of like it was, the grandpa was setting it up. So the, it, and I gave kudos to the dad because the dad realized that the kid was interested in it, and he's like, "I don't know what I'm doing, but I want my kid is interested in, in this." Well, so he started kid. looking yep. into it, and then grandpa took the you know reins and he set the whole thing up. So, anyways, they didn't know how to clean a goose. They, Good work, grandpa. They didn't know how to do anything, you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, of course, you know, I'll clean these up for you." And so I was, I'm cleaning them up for him. They're like, well, how do you prepare these? No, I start running through my normal. Oh, it can actually be pretty easy. You can do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And they're like, okay, well, we have VRBO. We're going to back there and try that. And I looked at my watch. And I'm like, you know what? I ain't got anywhere to be. I said, well, I'll hop over there. I'll make us some tacos. They're like, dude, that'd be great. So went back. What? Went back Good there. It's where we, we cleaned them up. And I'm like, all right, we got these breasts. Here, you can take these back to um, Denver with you. Or I think they were from Colorado. And, yeah, I, I took one of the breasts, sliced them up, just did my tacos deal, and in, you know, 30, 40 minutes, we're all jamming in on these tacos, and they're like, these are so good. I'm like, yeah, they are pretty good. Cause I, def I mean, I felt better about that than, you know, them going to the Internet and having to listen to everybody go, oh, they're gross. Sure, sure. You know, they, uh, they do this to that. So they're, when somebody tells them that now, they have already experienced how good goose tacos can be. They're gonna be like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, dude, because exactly. we had them and exactly. they were phenomenal. So I don't know. And and my guy just did this. All he did was make tacos. Like he didn't marinate them overnight and anything. Like birds we killed that morning. Yep. Sliced and I I recently 
I recently took my neighbor kid Gage on his first pigeon hunt and he ended up taking seven of those pigeons home and you know I showed him how to clean them and then put them in the Ziploc and, and I called him a few days later he's like yeah they were good you know like we enjoyed them so I mean yeah pigeons don't good. overlook I, I, pigeons no, as, as good table fare no pigeons are good table fare they to help people so there's a again there's misnomers everywhere in the ultra space and there's this misnomer like i'm not eating these diaper eating city pigeons uh, they don't eat diapers bro like they're Last, they, lack of understanding is fear and hatred's greatest food and here we have hatred yeah like, so yeah and, and fear i don't want to catch diseases no shut up sure and also <laughs> uh, um there's another good saying and this applies to snow geese a lot is the um Oh my God! What is it called? It's um something breeds contempt. Uh, like basically, uh, this isn't the right word, but it's like overabundance breeds contempt. So, meaning there's so many snow geese, and the whole point of the spring season is to kill as many as possible. So you devalue them in your mind. So you oh, see sure, them. You sure. see them as a a nuisance. You see them as a pest. So the same Sky thing happens with blah, pigeons. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, there's so much. There's so many pigeons around. You see them downtown Minneapolis, St. Paul, whatever. They're walking on. The, they they look dirty. There's there's usually shit. You know, like where they nest. There's always just shit laying around everywhere. It looks gross. So we same with fucking we, cows and pigs. But yeah, we eat exactly. Those. We don't, we don't have a problem with it. Exactly, and that's one of the points I bring up all the time. And we do eat with our eyes, but because we grew up eating cows and pigs. We just accept the other. We didn't Correct. grow up eating pigeons, so we don't just yeah, outright true. accept it. The other thing is pigeons are technically rock doves. They're just another species of dove. And everybody, like, also the same person be like, oh, I love bacon-wrapped dove breasts. I'm like, I ain't eating that nasty pigeon. It's the same bird, bro. It's not, but very similar. Their flesh is a little darker. The a rock dove or a pigeon is there it's a little more red than a, a dove is but they're good i've eaten plenty of them like remember when i told you a couple of days ago or maybe it was yesterday i was i spent two and a half hours on the phone with my buddy brian muckenhurt and he was telling me a story of how his grandmother or his great-grandmother or something was just kind of in hard times it had something to do with I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna butcher it. So I'm just gonna tell you the bits and pieces I remember. His grandmother or great grandmother was in hard times, and she lived on pigeon meat. This wow. was like not even in America yet. Like it was like in Germany or something. You know, it was really hard times. They they survived. Like they lived on pigeon meat for a very long time. And I brought I brought Ryan Muckenhorn on a pigeon shoot way back in the day and we killed 161 it was an incredible hunt that morning and ryan actually ended up putting a bunch of the pigeons in a bag and bringing them home and cookies like tell him yeah they were great you know and he ended up cooking some up for one of his relatives you know and they just kind of relived like this is what grandma went through you know like this oh is, sure yeah it's sort of a it has just more meaning now guess what that hunt that that was not just a hunt it was an experience and had more value than I ever would have imagined. You know, Ryan mm -hmm. brought those birds home and he cooked them up. And I like to think that he enjoys cooking like you do. And yeah, they're good. I mean, they're good and you don't have to do much with them. Like, they really are, like, a basic protein. Like, it's not, like, 
as much as I like waterfall and ducks and that, I, mean, I do know that they have a more intense flavor. And no matter Someone what told do, me recently that they taste better than doves, and I disagree. But that's pretty cool that that person thinks so. Sure, and I, they're very similar. If I, if, in my opinion, I'm like they're really similar. They're different. It is a big dove. They're different, it is but a it's, big dove. they're very similar. So it's like, Correct. how bad could it be? You know, it's like right. It's it's not bad. It's and again, not bad a lot of people that go into like trying bad. it aren't probably going into it with like I'm gonna make this taste good. They're probably already like, ah, this is probably gonna be shitty. So they're not putting a lot of effort into it. And again, you know, most people don't have that mindset with them anyway. They're a trash bird. They're just shooting them, whatever. So they're not taking care of them. They're just leaving them in the sun. They're not. You know what I mean? Like if if I were to go out with the specific intent like i want to shoot the pigeons i shoot today i'm bringing home and i'm gonna eat i probably bring a cooler with the, of ice with me you know and just like yeah let's get these birds and get them cooled down you're gonna have your the meat's gonna be so much better and if it wasn't so much a space thing i would totally do that with geese but oh yeah would, geese take up a lot of room oh, fuck you need <laughs> you need a refrigerated truck <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. To, to to do that like it's just it's not really plausible but there are some things that people can do. And we've talked about it in this podcast before. It's like, don't just leave your geese out in the sun. You know, I'm a... I, don't I'm, leave them belly down. Yep, I'm a firm believer. Like, I like to take them belly up, put them, like, behind my blind, in the shade somewhere. Um, the people are always like, oh, they tuck their wings, they tuck their heads. Oh, it's a sleeper decoy. You killed the geese you killed with the decoys you have out there. You, you just proved yourself you don't need any more decoys. I don't know why you're putting them breast down in the because sun. Because you don't know what else to do with them. For the entirety of the hunt. Yeah, <laughs> like, you don't want them in the blind with you. You yeah. just don't have space. I mean, there's somewhere you could put them in the cornfield, but a yeah. lot of times you don't have that option. You Again, know? just you put, put, them, put them somewhere. Put them right behind you or in between the blinds, cover them up with stubble. Be fine. Okay, okay. It's better. Yeah, yeah. They're not in direct sun and they're breast up, you know? like. Yeah, right, right. You're going to, it's going to be better for sure yep. than breast, breast down in the sun just cooking. but most people don't i mean the vast majority of people just they don't they don't think that they don't immediately think table fare you know and a lot of it is they already have a negative connotation of what it's going to be anyways i'm just going to grind this up and make jerky out of it all right sure sure but if people took the time and it doesn't even take that much time just have the four you know the forethought to like okay i'm going to I'm going to eat these later, so keep that in mind as what we do with them after we kill them. And then have that food experience and tell me if it wasn't better or not. You know? It's like, don't. I have to admit that I'm guilty of just being extremely careless with. I think most people are. Like, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I would say maybe most people are. Yeah, I mean, good I good observation. Say you know? 99.9% of waterfallers are that way. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Throw them in the bottom of the boat. You're out duck hunting, diver hunting, whatever. You very unceremoniously can you look at it a little bit and you just toss it at the bottom of the boat like sure and i i do it sometimes I, i'm not, i'm it's not like i'm sitting out there with i got the latex glove and a cooler a, you know velvet padded cooler and i'm handling these things with care and i'm tucking it and i'm packing with it and i'm not doing that i'm not being ridiculous it's just like have a little bit in your mind you know that what the effort you put in is it is the reward you're going to get out so yeah if you went ditch pig and snow geese and you pile this back your truck 
and they're bouncing, and you're like, oh, I, shit, I forgot, I gotta clean those. Oh, I'll get those tomorrow. Oh, I'll get to those. If they're cold enough, I'll get to those the next day. So they've been bouncing around the back of your truck for three days, and then you finally get to cleaning them. Probably not gonna be that great. Sure, sure. <laughs> Is that the snow goose's fault? I don't think so. <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs> Is that because snow geese don't taste good? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do that with beef or pork and see what the Exactly. Is. It's like you did everything in your power to not make that palatable. I don't know what you right. were expecting. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like to use the, the cow and the pork. Even chickens. Like, you've been to a chicken farm. Oh my Are God. you kidding me? Good fucking oh my point. God. Chicken is amazing. Especially production chicken is, like, some of the worst conditions you could think of. They wallow in their own shit. Ah, it's the worst. But, yeah, we're just going to overlook that. Right, right. But again, they grew up on us. They don't. They just don't take that into account. They don't have any history right, with right, pigeon or geese right. or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Well, sir, we've been going for about an hour and a half. Should we wrap this one up? I don't care. All right, perfect. Well, I know you got nowhere to be, but I got a lake out <laughs> there that's calling to me. And there's hungry okay. bass in it, and I need to get to it. <laughs> yeah, I need to hook them suckers. Heck yeah. Love it. Actually, I might go do some foraging today. The blueberries are ripe. We've had some rain. There should be some wild mushrooms going on. So, yeah, I'm going to go rip some lips, and then I'm going to hit the woods. And, yeah, uh, I've seen some raspberries out as well, some yep, wild ones. Raspberries are going, so I'm going to – today might be a good day to try to acquire a mostly wild procured meal for tonight. Sweet. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's part up to my uh, knowledge and part up to nature. So we'll see what happens. All right, dude. Well, stay tuned for the next one. Uh, see what happens. Oh, all right. Gotta dude. get used to the tagline. Here we go. Whatever your passion, whether it's pigeon hunting, snow goose hunting, coyote hunting, crow hunting, mushroom picking, whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. That's a good one, and I'd like to. And I'd like to do my Joe Rogan have something like, "What's your last saying?" Or what's your or somebody has some. Anyways, I'm gonna shut. Uh, do good, be good. There you go. Do good today, be good, and try to try to inspire someone to enjoy whatever it is that you enjoy the same way that you do. Expose someone to riding a bicycle, paddling a kayak, fishing, hunting, learning. Let's do good, be good. That's, that's it. Like Jorgen say, if you want America to be better, we need more winners and losers. So do your part into making more winners. Yes. 